Welcome to the 11th episode of Junto Club. On this episode, we welcome our first guest, C. He talks with Matt and Shu about what constitutes money, encryption, and Bitcoin. I sit quietly by and Google encryption algorithms. For any questions, comments, or to sell us on your new cryptocurrency, email juntoclubpodcast at gmail.com. This is Junto Club. Welcome to the 11th episode of Junto Club. Uh, today we welcome our first guest, C. So the Junto Club is about is based on Benjamin Franklin's Junto Club from you know like the 1770s, 1780s, where a bunch of upper class people got together and discussed philosophy and life's great questions. So we discuss philosophy and bettering ourselves and a bunch of news stories that we find interesting and uh, try to do the best we can to make sense of life, so. Nice. Also, correction, it was 1727 that he started it. Did he start it, like, birth? No, he, I think he's 1727. He was, like, 20-something. Oh, okay. Right? He, oh, that's right. He did live to be quite old, right? Yeah, I mean, 17... 76, you know, next independence, right? Which is now he was like 80 already. Oh, okay. I didn't realize he was that old. And that's, and that's the only, only reason he was not a president, right? Oh, okay. Fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's good. So I guess, uh, so the reason I want to on C is because I feel like you guys, uh, Mike and Matt, have been changing my views very a lot now after talking to you guys for like three, four years. And one, I think that you changed my view on was like gun. No, uh, no, no, no. I guess no notion of a gun doesn't kill people. People kill people. You know. And at the beginning, I was like, this is a stupid. Of course, people kill people, right? I mean, gun. Of course, gun kills people, right? But somehow, over time, I think my view has shifted. So I brought on C to I don't know change my view back. I guess. So C, what what do you think? Do you what's your view on that? On that quote, like, gun doesn't kill people, people kill people. Well, obviously, uh, people kill people. Uh, guns aren't sentient, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, okay. okay. Guns does enhance the ability to kill another person. Hmm. Okay. So, okay. That's, that makes so, sense, I guess. These are pretty okay. objective facts that I feel like no one can, you know, <laughs> disagree <Yeah>. with, so... <laughs> Okay, okay. I guess uh, I guess in the beginning when I, when I first listened to, I guess I first of first time I heard it, it was from uh, maybe NRA, right, the National Rifle Association. So I think because a lot because they were from the right, maybe my reaction was like, oh, that's stupid, right? That's really stupid. I guess I did not think really like deeper, right? So yeah. Anyway, you're talking about with respect to uh, legislating gun regulations. No, I, I'm, I'm respect. I'm respecting to that. I the first time I heard that saying was from people on the right, right, very conservative people, like NRA. It's almost like their propaganda, and they all keep saying that. So I think because I don't, maybe I don't like NRA, 
that's why I kind of object to that saying, right? I think, oh, that's a stupid saying without thinking uh, more about it, right? Does it make sense? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we're going to talk about guns in the future, not this time. So next week, we're going to talk about actually Bitcoin. We're going to do a shallow dive into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. But before we go to that, I guess, uh, there's a news that I want to, uh, there's a, I mean, I heard it on Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, there's a very cool news for me personally, which is, uh, have you guys heard about Harry Potter and HBO? He's talking about joint force and making a series episodes. <laughs> I had not heard of that. So th- they're going to do like a Game of Thrones, but for Harry Potter? I think so. I hope so. I think we we talked about it before, right? That would be really cool to start doing that, right? So yeah, like every book becomes a season, and you can actually like get all the material out there. It's yeah. it's a free yeah. it's free money. Like whoever makes it's gonna like have so many people watch it. Yeah. Is yeah. it deviating from the books though, or is it just like redoing the books? I think HBO generally follow them through pretty closely. So yeah. See, anyway, did you so read they- Harry Potter? I read four of the books. And, and you were able to stop reading them. You weren't invested, huh? No, I, I was actually really into it, but I think it's, there was a long time between the fourth and the fifth book. Mm. And so by the time the fifth book came out, I had kind of forgotten a lot of the plot points and a lot of the characters. <laughs> and I just couldn't be bothered to go back and reread it. He's not true fan. Not I'm not, thing. but it's okay. He can, why read anymore? HBO will come out with a show and you can just catch up with that <laughs> and finish the story. That's all right. Yeah. I feel all like, right. I, I feel like I wouldn't consider myself a true Harry Potter fan actually. Cause like when I was a kid, like I read every book in a day, like I've read all the books. I went to like the midnight releases of the books. I, and I read each book, but I read them once. And now I'm like, I don't care if I ever deal with Harry Potter again. Like, like I'm fine. It was like, okay, that was like fun during my childhood. It was interesting, yeah. but it's like, that was, it's, it's enough. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair. So. All right. So, um, well, let's talk about Bitcoins. And um, I guess, uh, what do you think? Of, uh, I guess, what do you guys think about what's happened recently? Like the last couple of weeks about with Bitcoin going really high. And then also what happened to Dutchcoin? Uh, I mean, I am just very, very pissed. I didn't invest everything I had into Bitcoin when it was like four grand. But mm-hmm. yeah, well, was there something specific that drove it? Because remember how, like a couple years ago, Bitcoin sh- surged up to like tens of thousands before, right? Mm-hmm. And wasn't well, that Tesla? Tesla just bought like one point five billion dollars of Bitcoin. So oh. That Ah, uh, okay. Because I know in the past it was when it opened. I think China opened up to buying Bitcoin, and that's when like a big flood of investors kind of like surged it, right? Mm-hmm. In like 2018, but this time it was Tesla kind of kicked it off. Yeah. Yeah. No, and... no, Tesla. Tesla did not kick it off. Uh, what happened already? Like uh, before, Tesla is already around like 30, almost like 40k, right? Uh, before mm-hmm. that, what happened with institutional, a lot institutional investors, like for example, the Square, Jack Dorsey's company. Well, I mean, this this company, like PayPal, all these like, institutional investors are getting into it. This is big corporations and like banks and stuff. They are actually buying up a lot 
the Bitcoin, so they're pushing those up. I think also there's something to do with the pandemic. Maybe a lot of people are like, with a lot of disposable income, right? Like uh, a lot of money having like, oh, I have a thousand dollars, spin a check, let me put it somewhere. But, but mostly I think it's institutional investors are pushing it. And then, and then last week, uh, Tesla, of course, bought as well. So that's why they push it to mm. like 45, 47K right now. Mm. Yeah. How many Bitcoins so do you have? So that means for me personally, it was not me? Yeah, you. I know you have some. Oh, I only have, I only have 0 0.01 Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. So, yeah, so basically, yeah, for me, it was nice. Uh, so for me, it's like 45K, my 40K mistake, right? Because uh, looking back, like, and a year ago, it was like 3K. I was thinking about maybe just put 3K in, mm. and then, but I did not. So, so, but however, I was looking at, but however, I'm, I'm committing, I'm seeing as a mistake, uh, I'm committing the, very common mistake, which is called resulting, which I think we talked about before, right? Mm. Uh, resulting basically is, uh, I got it from a book by Amy Duke. She's a very famous like poker player champion. Uh, her book is called Thinking in Bats. So one idea I got from her book is something called resulting, which means we, a lot of times we look at the outcome, right? We make a bet and we're looking at outcome. If the outcome is good, we always say, oh, this is a, we, I made a good decision. And then if the outcome is bad, and uh, we think, oh, this is a, we always thought, oh, this is a stupid bad decision. But actually we are committing the mistake of resulting because we are, we are not separating the result from the decision. Because sometimes you make a decision, the outcome could be bad, but the decision could be still good, right? So the reason that, you know, we did not, like, for example, you, you, I, the reason that the decision of not investing in Bitcoin that one day with 3K, it could still be a good decision because with the information at that time, right? We just cannot predict what happens and what's going to happen in the future, right? But, you know, it, it could still go to zero, right? So you never know. So I guess, uh, this is just something that I got from that, just thinking about like, was was the decision good or bad for not investing and stuff like that? But does it make sense? Yeah, no, no. That's a good thing. People, you know, it doesn't get brought up a lot. But yeah, just because you say when you're yeah. win the lottery doesn't mean it's actually a good idea to buy lottery tickets, right? That's like the simple anecdote of that idea. Yeah. Right. So what you're saying is like I probably did okay by uh, investing minimally in Dogecoin rather than putting my life savings into it, right, Joe? As much as yeah, I exactly. want to put my life savings into it. Wait, did you say, did you call it Dogecoin, not Dogecoin? Or d whatever, D-O-G-E? I thought it was Dogecoin. <laughs> I thought it was Doggy Coin. <laughs> that yeah, makes it, sense it, to be yeah, fair. I've heard I, of it in, as Doge. I haven't heard of anything else. Okay, okay. Somehow I always, I thought Doge. Okay, Doge, good. My yeah. pronunciation is correct again. So, so looking back, I guess, and looking at the decision, like, so what is the lesson from that? So I guess from that lesson, I guess for me, the right lesson is like, I guess I do make a mistake. I did make a mistake. The mistake was I did not try to learn, uh, try to understand Bitcoin, what's behind Bitcoin, uh, the blockchain stuff, what's the technology behind it at that time. I did not like look into it. I just like, you know, I just like ignore it in a way, right? So... 
So I think that to, to me, that is a mistake. I'm not studying it more closely. So that's why it, uh, I want to, you know, uh, study it right now. So that's, that's what, that's what going to happen to, for this podcast. Yeah. Well, so I'm not an expert on this, but isn't like Bitcoin was the first, but isn't it kind of like a bad cryptocurrency? Like my understanding is like since Bitcoin, there's been much better technical implementations and like Bitcoin has like a lot of limitations, like the number of transactions that can happen a second is really low. But, you know, because it's the first and it's got the name, like that's why it grows, right? So like arguably, like looking into the technology might have said, oh, these other coins are better bets or investments. But is that no, no. accurate with what you got? No? No, no, no. Like actually, I, Bitcoin has a lot of, it has the technology behind it. The blockchain that is very, I think it's very, very good. And a lot of these coins, other, like all these other different implementations are like derived from it, but they make things easier somehow. But those that are necessary make it better. I mean, yeah, I feel, I mean, better in different ways, I guess. But mm. you, 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 I think you specifically you mentioned about transactions, like very slow, which is fine because it depends how you want to use Bitcoin. I think a lot of people, the consensus that Bitcoin is not going to be used as a medium of exchange. You're not going to use it as a money to pay for anything. It's going to be used as a store of value, mm. right? So you, so that's why you, you're going to, uh, so that's why, you know, it's, it's, it's keep going up because people are believing it, seeing it as a store of value. Not, it's not going to be using it as like traditional money like to, to pay, to buy stuff basically, yeah. But we, I mean, we're gonna go into it some of the technology behind it. So, so to start to to study Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, there are, I mean, basically two basic fundamental things that we need to understand, right? So, which the first one, it, it's coming from the name that like cryptocurrency. So we need to understand what is currency, what is money, right, and what is Crypto, like cryptography. So these are the two fundamental things for us. And it's for me to understand in order to understand uh, Bitcoin, basically. Yeah. So what's any, 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 do you, do you guys have any thoughts on what is money? <laughs> money is a tool used to exchange goods and services. That's my thought okay. on money. Yeah. It could Which, be. Yeah, I, no, I mean, I was going to say basically the same thing. It's basically an agreed upon something like physical virtual object that, you know, carries some value and that value can be exchanged for goods and services. So this okay. actually makes me think of something because I think you know where you're going with this. But if you say Bitcoin's a store of value, not an, a, like a unit of exchange, well, like, I guess this goes into debate is gold money, right? Cause there's a right. semi-famous internet meme when like Ben Bernanke, who's like the chair mm -hmm. of the fed, he was like, Ron Paul was like, is gold money? And he was like, no, it's not money. <laughs> so by that same logic, wouldn't Bitcoin not be currency? Um, maybe, uh, what about C? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, my, my thinking is in line with everyone else. It seems, um, yeah, it's oh, really? like, like you said, right? Like, uh, Bitcoin right now is an investment vehicle. It's not a currency. So, okay. So, what is money, right? So, 
for that, yeah, you really need to look into like history in a way. So, so uh, in the early early day, I did caveman days, right? The, the money, the first first money was like a lot of people just using like cowrie shells, right? Like any anything sexy, like for exchanging stuff, right? So they just use like anything that is rare, right? Objects that people agree on. Okay, this is you know, this is money, right? This we're gonna use pay. How many shells gonna pay? How much, right? To exchange stuff, and then I think one of the early forms of money was you know, just like barley uh, grain, right? Similar to rice in a way. Actually, people just carry those things around to, uh, to you know, exchange stuff, and those are very hard to come to. I mean, it's really hard to transport, right? So it's not very convenient. So then you come to like, of course, like coins, right? And then, which is very, uh, which is backed by like the government, the king actually manufactured these coins, so you can people can use that to exchange, buy stuff, right? So money, actually, from my understanding, from the uh, actually I drive this from the book called *Sapiens* by Yuval uh, uh, Noah Rari. and it's it's a very good book about talking about history of mankind. But one section, one chapter is about money. So basically what he talked about money is actually, money fundamentally is something called trust. It's trust, it's what people believe in. It's a, basically, it's a, it's a, he called it, it's a figment of imagination, right? Human just made it up. It's a concept, it's idea. It's nothing, so it's a fundamentally, so that's what it is, it's trust. Like people believe in this is how much it is, right? So one thing that the trust comes from different ways, right? Come from government. So for coins, right, come from the king, right? We believe in a king that made this coin, right? So we trust that this is how much it's value, right? Now, U.S. dollar, we trust in the government, right? So that's why the U.S. dollar is very big because most people trust in the U.S. government, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. It's, so for me, I think that's very key to understand the implications of blockchain and uh, cryptocurrency technology. So uh, going back to the history of, uh, of uh, actually uh, money a little bit, uh, we need to go back in the 1700s, the US paper money, when a paper, do you know how paper money got in the US got started? No. Nope. I mean, I'm going to give you a hint. Who started the paper Benjamin money? Franklin? Of course, who else? <laughs> no, Ben Franklin. You know, this is that's why we are here. We are all, we are here to celebrate Benjamin Franklin. And so he's everywhere. He has hands on every single thing. I think that's why he's he's on a hundred dollar bill. Right? He basically started in you know U.S. paper money. So think back when he was like seventeen years old, right? When he came from Boston to Philadelphia. So when he was seventeen, I think he walked in the street of. Philadelphia, he was seeing a lot of like houses are actually boarding up, right? Like the houses are, a lot of business are really ran down. It's really, the economy in Philadelphia was really uh, stagnant, right? So the reason of that, cause of that is because of a, a it's a short, there's a shortage of a, like a coin from England, right? So I think uh, the UK government, they tried to, the Great Britain tried to kind of constrain the coins in the US so kind of try to, you know, make them depend, depend on UK basically coming away. So I think from that, then fast forward, like 
20, maybe I think a few years later, uh, Benjamin, um, when the people, when a lot of people are try, talking about, oh, whether we should, you know, start paper money in Philadelphia, basically Benjamin Franklin jumped on the train, just uh, actually wrote a paper article, published a paper saying, hey, we definitely need to support paper money in Philadelphia. That way you can uh, boost the business, basically. He actually debated that issue in in, uh, in his junto club. So he actually debated that in the issue with other members of the junto club. So anyway, so I, I find that it's a very interesting history a little bit. So yeah, so that's what he did. So, but conveniently to make paper money, someone needs to print it, right? Mm -hmm. So do you know who was the only printer in town? Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, and then, so basically, he made a lot of money, got really rich by printing a lot of money, and then he was able to retire in 44, 42. So, yeah. So, I don't know what's going on there, but anyway, he's, he's a very uh, good businessman, I guess. So, from Philadelphia, he, because he has the technology to print papers, and he has a, some, he also makes, maybe it such that it's very hard to counterfeit. The way he did it is like using something like uh, a very uh, a very rare, uh, very rare like leaf pattern, right? He put that pattern on the back of the paper money, such that it's very hard for people to copy, right? To counterfeit. So that's one innovation that he did to prevent counterfeiting. Because uh, money basically is almost like information. If you is you need a way to basically make it easy, I mean, harder to copy, right? So that's kind of related to Bitcoin, like too, right? Bitcoin, one of the challenges, cryptocurrency, you need to make it secure, so it's hard to, you know, duplicate, right? But anyway, going back to my history a little bit. Uh, yeah, so after he done that, he been really successful. I mean, other states, right? Cities like New Jersey also that Benjamin printed print money as well. So, so he printed most of the, the paper money in the U.S. in during the early colonial days. So, I, I think that's why I think uh, that's why the, that's one of the main reasons that he's on the hundred dollar bill. So, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, how's how's that as a C three lesson? <laughs> I feel like this one like. I don't know. He's influenced a lot of how we live. And I feel, as you say, like when the country actually started, he was like set in his seventies or something. So yeah, it's, it's impressive. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's one reason he was able to retire in 44, 42 and then do everything he wants afterwards, right? Science and start experiments and stuff. Yeah. Right. Cool. So, so the re so so basically, the, in summary, I guess the lesson from that is that the main point for that is the money. Money is a trust. It's kind of information. It's a record of something of information, right? So, mm -hmm. and everybody that trust that information, and so yeah. So, so I guess uh, right now, what uh, I guess uh, it's very similar to like, the technology that Benjamin Franklin used is a printer, right? Because it's very few people has printer to do, able to do all that kind of stuff. And then that's the technology he used back in the day. 
But this time, right now, the current in modern days, the technology equivalent behind Bitcoin is the blockchain, of course, and cryptography, right? So, so do you guys know anything about cryptography? I do not. I read the Bitcoin paper once and got like a half understanding of it, but not very familiar. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I have not looked into okay doing cryptographs very that's often. good i actually read it the paper this morning again because as you similar to you matt i i read it uh like a while ago i did not really get it but i feel like the, the understanding of because because in the beginning of the paper you talk about like trust about like uh, the money system stuff like that so that's why I, it was a little bit confusing because i didn't really know understanding what is money and it wasn't the whole point of bitcoin right so so once if you understand the it's just a trust thing, I think that helped me understand cryptography. I, I, I mean, uh, Bitcoin, the paper, but also because I also uh, dig into a little bit of literature on cryptography, so I have some basic understanding. So next step is cryptography. So what is cryptography? Cryptography basically is a, it's a, what do you call that? It's a science of basically hiding information, mm-hmm. right? To make it secure, right? So one way is like hiding is very similar to like can't prevent prevent counterfeiting, right? Is you need to make it such that it's hard to be uh, tampered with, which is like cryptography. Can you can use cryptography to do something similar, right? To make the information secure. So a little bit history of cryptography. Have you guys heard of the Caesar cipher? Caesar cipher. That's the rotating cipher. Yeah, exactly. So it's to to basically just think about how alphabet, right? You you wrote a letter, right? How would you how would you like encrypt it, right? So Caesar cipher basically it's an alphabet, right? You shift the alphabet. If, so for example, if you shift the alphabet like three times, right, that means like A will be replaced with C, right, and then B will be replaced with D. So basically, you do that with all your uh all your uh, letters, and uh, you will, you will come up with an encrypted, the, the output is an encrypted uh, letter, right? Mm-hmm. Text, yeah. So that's the one way, I, uh, that's what Caesar Cypher is, one of the earliest version of like, encryption cryptography, right? And it's very easy, it's very easy to break it because all you need to do is just <laughs> keep trying the number of shifts, shifts, right? In the alphabet, that way you will come up with uh, you break it very easily. Right. Yeah. So, right. all right. So now going back to, so let's Caesar time. So let's go back to American Revolution again, U.S. Revolution during that time. I mean, we have talked about Benjamin Franklin again because he, he, he was also using a lot of cipher and uh, to, to, for his communication during that U.S. Like, revolution time. Right. And, no, another another person, George. I mean, a lot of founders use it. Like George Washington, he he's a, he's a big fan of like something called Invisible Ink. So he he like to write his message in Invisible Ink and then send it to somebody else. And then the other founder actually is uh, Thomas Jefferson. He invented something called uh, Jefferson Jefferson Wheel. Uh, have you guys heard of it? Heard about it before? Mm-mm. All right, that's good. So, um, so Jefferson 
real. I mean, he invented when he was president, so that is impressive by itself, right? I mean, I mean, just think about the current president now. Who, which president has the ability or intelligence to, to do something like that? So anyway, he does a lot of stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically, with Jefferson, Jeff, Jefferson real, it's real because it's, it's very similar to uh, Caesar cipher. So Caesar cipher has a one alphabet, right? A B C D, right? Sequence. Mm. So Jefferson wheel has actually turned that into turn the alphabet on on a wheel, right? On the edge of the wheel, right? And it's also randomized. So instead of having A B C D, it's all randomized, right? And you stack multiple wheels together, which is uh, like I think Jefferson wheel is thirty six. 36 wheels, right? And then each wheel has a number, like one, two, three, four, five. And how you stack it is the key, right? For example, if you stack like a second wheel first, there'll be two and blah, 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 right? So it's a, that's the key for encrypted. But anyway, for encryption, you basically, different wheel, different wheel has different randomized, randomized uh, alphabet basically, right? So each wheel has a, a randomized set of alphabets. So, for example, if I want to say, okay, uh, Mike is, I don't know, is always late, right? I want to write a message onto, um, 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 I want to send a message to you guys. What mm -hmm. I would do is I would like turn the wheel such that I, the such that Mike is late, the message is appear on the wheel, right? Now I just pick a different. <clears throat> On, on a single row, right? Then what I do is I just take a different, uh, different random row on the wheel, which which is going to be an encrypted message, right? Because it's random alphabet. So you come out with that, and then using the key to decode that message, basically. Yeah. Does that make sense to you guys? I think so. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> that's probably a very poor explanation, but you guys know Google, so just. Just Google it in the future. So from Jefferson wheel, Jefferson wheel, but I think everybody, now we have to move to World War II, right? What happened in World War II of the in, uh, of encryption? Enigma. Exactly. So Enigma, Enigma machine is actually, I, I don't think anybody talked about this, but I feel like from my understanding now, like looking at Jefferson Enigma machine, Actually, Enigma machine is basically is just a mechanical, electromechanical version of of uh, of Jefferson wheel, right? Electrical and mechanical implementation of Jefferson wheel. That's basically that's what that's what Enigma machines to me. But in, and they also have a key that's such that it basically scrambles. You know? So when you input you, you input like a letter, it basically just output a random letter, right? So that's that's basically what Enigma machine does, right? So anyway, so to me, just a, just another uh, fancy computerized version of a Jefferson wheel. So anyway, so that is what encryption is. Now going back now, but all these machines have a single key, right? Everybody share a key such that you can decrypt the message. Now going back to the modern modern days with internet, a new invention is called something called public key cryptography. Have you guys heard of that? Public key? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. 
So all these single keys are very easy. So if anybody have a single key, right, it's very vulnerable, right? Because uh, any because net, net can be stolen, you know, whatever, and uh, to to figure out you know, what's the message. So what's what public key and private? So private key, private basically two keys, right? Instead of single key. So it has a public key which can be shared with everybody else, right? And whoever has that key can use that to encrypt the message that want to send to you. And then they have a, another the person. So have another key called private key, which can use it to decrypt, decrypt the message. So for example, if I have a public key and you, I also have a private key. So I, my public key is public. So Matt, if you want to send me a message, you can use the public key to encrypt it and then send a message to me. And I have the private key. I only have, I, I'm the only one having it. I can open the, open the message, uh, decrypt it using the public key, right? And then another another way to think about it, I think it's something that I heard recently is very good analogy. Is I think about a box, right? You have a box, right? And then you want to put a message in the box, right? So what you all I gonna do is I gonna I want to send a message to you. I gonna I gonna put my lock, right? My lock my my lock on the box and then send it to you. And when the box reach you, you're gonna put your own lock on the box, right? Mm. And and you send the box back to me, right? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna take out my lock on my side and then send the box back to you. Then you can open your own lock, right? So that's a, that's a, I think that's a very, I'm not sure if, at least for me, uh, that's a very easy way, I mean, a clear way to understand like that's what public key, private key kind of does almost in a way. Yeah. But any but that's that's what enables like e-commerce, right? Without that, e-commerce would be impossible right now. So stuff like that. Anyway. All right, guys, and that's uh, the any... last step to Bitcoin, I assume. <laughs> yeah, kinda, yes. So so public oh yeah, public key also is enables something called digital signature, right? Digital is Digital signature, basically right now you sign any document, you can just have a digital key that actually matches your digital signature in a way. So that's what a public, what, uh, what's that called? The cryptography, the, what cryptography again? I forgot. Oh yeah, the public key cryptography, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you have, you have that, you was able to enable digital signature and digital signature is fundamentally something that uses blockchain. Right, so blockchain, blockchain is, is a is is a, the newest form of like cryptography, right? But however, it uses more than crypt encryption cryptography. So digital signature, and that's what they use to encode the message, like the data information in a single block, right? So they use the public key uh, stuff like that, digital signature to uh, encrypt the message, and then they also use more than just that. So they use something called proof of work. Actually, so so based proof of work, right? Mechanism is a consensus-based uh, algorithm, basically. That that you should be very familiar with. But anyway, so and also other things is called peer-to-peer -peer network, right? So each each node, each computer have a copy of the blockchain. So yeah. So going back a little bit, blockchain basically is a record, right? A record of information of like 
in a in a example of Bitcoin is basically transaction, right? So transaction, you store a transaction into a block, right? And the block, it's a blockchain. The chain because each block is connect connected, right? And then and the newest block has information contain the information from the previous block. So that's why they are chained together in that way, right? Mm -hmm. So um, so that's why the blockchain. And then it's a record, now it's shared by everybody else. It's decentralized, so there's no single copy, right? So every, so it's a network because every, there's a, a thousand of computers in the, in the world has a copy of that record, whole record of uh, like transactions of Bitcoin, right? So everybody have a copy. So what they do, so they use proof of work to update that, uh, to update that uh, blockchain, basically, that copy, like whichever, whoever has, you know, basically each, each node just copies the longest chain, right? So that way they use, uh, so proof of, proof of work just like puzzles, right? Each, each, compu each computer needs all kinds of mathematical puzzles, basically computation, right? Around 10 minutes to kind of prove, to get that, uh, to basically get approved, yeah. So those are three key things in uh, in blockchain, basically, right? Anyway, any questions on that? I know it's a bit confusing, but yeah. So I remember just talking about this. I remember I heard once basically the idea was you could actually cheat Bitcoin. You could create an alternative history in this blockchain. If you controlled more than 50% of the computing power being allocated to it, because yeah. essentially while, while computers are trying to like, while people are trying to compute new blocks and add it to the longest, you know, list, if you just kind of compute your alternative history and then like publish it out, like mm -hmm. as long as you can like maintain that computation, you know, you can sort of make this like fake thing and then you can have fake transactions but I mean, obviously it's not realistic mm -hmm. to, for one person to have more than 50% of the computing power allocated towards Bitcoin, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, what do you it, think about that? They try to prevent the top, uh, I do, so let me, before I go to that, actually, uh, so then the problem they try to prevent using that, that proof of work is the double spending problem, right? Which is the counter, basically the counterfeiting problem, right? People can spend the money, keep spending it, right? Mm -hmm. So now, to your point of 51, yes, that is, that is possibility. That's a possible, right? Someone can have, can gain like 51% computing power. That way they can actually just hack it, right? Basically. Now, Bitcoin also have a, something like game theoretic design in your way, right? So if someone has 51% power, would you rather using that to mine more coins or would you, Rather use it to destroy the Bitcoin. Which one is more profitable? That's true. Yeah, Probably right. mining, so, given the value so of Bitcoins. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So that actually incent, incentives incentivize actually people whoever has more to kind of you don't want to destroy the Bitcoin system, right? Because uh, because you know. You got a lot of money from this, right? So yeah. Of course, that's probably for me. I guess uh, there's a of course counterpoint, which is like maybe there's some terrorists or some just who just want to destroy the whole world, right? But 
it might be hard for them to get harness 51% of the computing power. Mm -hmm. So yeah, potentially it can be destroyed, but it's very unlikely considering like the, the, the game theoretic uh, component of that. So yeah. why don't you explain what does it mean to mine a Bitcoin? I'll say I'm not sure. I, to me, mining a Bitcoin basically is basically is in the pool of work, right? So pool of work. So you, everybody is compete uh, to solve the problem. Competing, you competing with the other to solve the pool of work, basically, right? If you get that faster than the other guys, then you get the coin, basically, right? From that. That's from my basic I'm saying right now. That's in turn, that's, that's why I know how to prove our work because your computer need to do the work to actually to add a new block into the chain, mm -hmm. right? That way, that's how the coin got generated. You, your reward for doing that is, is, uh, is to, is you get Bitcoin basically, right? You're, you're using your computation to do the work. The reason you want to do that because you want to, extend the blockchain uh, always, right? You want, because the longest, the, the longer the blockchain, the harder it is for people to attack it, basically, to, to basically temper with it, right? To go back to change something back in the past, right? Basically. So that's why they want the, uh, they want to add the, the chain, they want the blockchain to be as long as possible. The, basically the ledger, the record of transactions in Bitcoin, they want it to be as long as possible. And then, you're mining it by basically by doing by helping the system doing that basically. Mm -hmm. So right. I think I think we're missing one key thing because one thing I do know is there's a finite number of bitcoins, right? Like mm -hmm. there's only so many bitcoins that will ever exist. Um, yeah. So you can't surely. So when you're extending the blockchain you're yeah you're making the record of transactions and you're basically updating it and you're encode you're doing the computational work to like encode the transactions right and like from what i remember from the past it's like you know it's kind of like you have the you have to like find the key in a hash or something like that like you're just searching for the solution to something to sort of encode everything into this and like it ta it just takes time for your computer to search for a solution and, you know, so yeah, then the first person who finds the solution can like publish it out and everyone, you know, you create the next longest uh, blockchain, but those will happen forever as long as people are trading, right? Because they'll have more and more transactions, right? People will continue trading Bitcoin back and forth. So that can't be, that can't be where Bitcoins are generated because then there'd be infinite Bitcoins, right? Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that I'm not sure right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about how that, regarding that. So, but, I mean, from that, so no, no, I think one of the reason they, yeah, I guess I, I, I don't know that answer right now regarding mining, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just looking into Bitcoin, trying to understand the underlying right now. So uh, maybe next week, uh, in the future, we can talk about setting out how to how can we use our computer to mine Bitcoin. You're more you are more focused on yeah. sort of I guess 
it as a cultural tool rather than like the technology behind it. Is that accurate to say? In terms of like yeah, trust and as like an alternative. I wouldn't focus money. on mining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm more focused trying to understand what what is it, and then how can what's the implication of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like what happened? What's the blockchain technology in, uh, means for us uh, in the future potentially, right? So yeah, coming back to the I guess uh, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. So coming back to the to whatever like Bitcoin in the early in the beginning we talk about like how what's what's the use of Bitcoin right so uh, so next so it's a store of value and also a lot of people are talking about like the blockchain technology or underlying technology behind it right so a lot of people like you know, different version of the cryptocurrency they basically have different they could have a different cryptography now instead of digital signature they could have something else but also they other coins then they they, they relax the proof of work right so you might not you don't need like 10 minutes to prove this to solve this mathematical puzzle right that's too long right so they might use something else to have less constraints which make it more vulnerable kind of anyway but yeah so transaction time so yeah so what but i guess going back to the implication for for the future like blockchain technology what it means for for us is that that means it's a future potentially we don't because something called intermediaries right intermediaries everybody right now we have a if you have a do you know what intermediaries are not i mean as a concept or Yeah, I'm not sure about yeah, that. Yeah, I guess as a, as, a, as a system that we have in Kearney. So Kearney, we have the banks, right? It's an intermediary between like we, you need to pay something. You have to go to the bank and then pay for someone else, right? Right, we, go, we have to go to Waymo or something like that bank, mm-hmm. right? And another example is like title companies, right? So you buy a house, right? You got a title for, on your house, right? But someone else is holding that title, mm-hmm. right, for you, which is the... I think the lawyers or something. So the title company are doing that for you, right? Now, the reason mm-hmm. we do that because we, we need the intermediaries. We trust the intermediaries, right? So you have a third party that we trust. They're going to say, hey, you own this, this house, right? So what blockchain technology implies in the future is that we don't, we want, we don't need that anymore because everybody trusts the blockchain. It's almost like again trustless. You don't need to the interne- intermediary to trust that okay, I own this house. Because it's gonna be this information can be gonna be kept in the blockchain. Right? So you're going back to the trust again, right? Like like uh another is like contract, right? Because we have lawyers to write contracts for us, right? So mm-hmm. so we tr- Trust the lawyer to do that, right? Using a contract, but we can sidestep that by just storing a contract on the on the blockchain. But that might not be. I mean, as I talk about it, that might not be a good example because I guess we still need lawyers to write a contract for us. But anyway, so <laughs> anyway, basically, in the future, you can you can think about all these inter- intermediaries, like third parties. You basically can get rid of those using blockchain, basically. So yeah. When but you, aren't you talking about currency in this case? Uh, no, it's 
I guess right now I'm talking about the blockchain technology, whatever enables the, uh, the Bitcoin, right? So the Bitcoin has two things, right? One is the uh, technology behind it, right? And that's not the blockchain is used to keep the money, like Bitcoin, secure, right? But we can use the blockchain technology for something else. It's like back in the day, we can use printer, right? In Benjamin Franklin's day, we use printer to print the money, right? But we can use printer to do something else as well, right? So I guess uh, and that's why I kind of try to equate the uh, uh, technology like blockchain with the printer back in the day. Anyway, and the cryptography is we use to similar to what Benjamin Franklin used to, to prevent counterfeiting basically, right? Using the, the rare leaves patterns to print that on the, pa the paper money, yeah. But how do you access Bitcoin? How do you access Bitcoin? Yeah, how does a layman access Bitcoin? Layman, you can just buy it from some exchange, right? So you, you have, have to have trust the exchange. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to say something because... Yeah, I was going to say something similar because it's not like the it's not like a random person's going to set up their computer to try to get the Bitcoin ledger and like do the computations to update it right and then hope that you beat other computers and it gets mm -hmm. in like every time you want to buy or sell you'll like do this whole process to update your own transaction right like normal people mm -hmm. like send their transactions to other there and then there's like a small set of people who do these computations, right? And I think you have to even pay them a fee. Like you offer mm -hmm. a fee to get their your transaction basically into the public ledger. So in a sense, they're kind of filling in mm -hmm. this third-party kind of gatekeeping. It is public, so it's different than having sort of a, a private company do it behind closed doors, right? It's like public and distributed, but you're still dealing with something similar. If I'm mm -hmm. going to continue yeah, to be a Bitcoin mean, skeptic. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, we true, the but... individual can't actually append to the ledger right? we don't have the computational power and Bitcoin doesn't support like everyone appending to the ledger individually because it only has it only supports so many transactions um, per, per second so then you need to like group the individual transactions of buying and, and selling these Bitcoins into a block which the exchange does and then they can submit that they can they can batch it basically, right? Well, well, yeah, but I mean, think about money, right? Now you got dollar. Now how do you get dollar? You don't print the dollar yourself, right? You just mm -hmm. get dollar from someone else. Yeah, right? but I guess and you it's... don't care. You don't really, you don't really care about where the, the U.S. dollar comes from, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you don't care because you use banks, and banks are kind of they're established and trustworthy, and they're backed by the government. Yeah, exactly. That's coming back to trust again, right? It's, it's because right. you trust, trust, trust it, right? Right. So what... with Bitcoin, now you're asking people to trust a different entity that's not backed um, by the government. Yeah. If you, talk, if you talk about currency, yes. If everybody believes in Bitcoin, yes, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, I, I guess the main point is that, that what is currency? You know, it's trust, right? If people, enough people believe in Bitcoin, is going to be 
Uh, it's not about believing in Bitcoin. It's about believing in the exchanges that functions as an intermediary between you and Bitcoin. Exchanges. I'm not sure about that. Because you don't directly interact with Bitcoin. You you buy and sell through an exchange, and then the exchange uh, modifies or appends the ledger to Bitcoin. Yeah, 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 true, true. I mean, yeah, exchange, and they have an incentive to keep, I mean, you don't, I guess you don't trust an exchange necessarily. It's like you have multiple exchanges, right? If you don't, if this, you don't trust this exchange, the third party, someone that help like transfer, right? The exchange, like star markets, right? You, you try, you trust the third party to even, I mean, if, if one, exchange goes down go bad now you can still always change to another one right but fundamentally you still trust in bitcoin right because this could be other exchange that you know it's more trustworthy than the other i guess i mean there's always i mean i guess i could start today saying hey i'm starting a coin uh, bitcoin exchange just give me all your money right so i can send bitcoin to you but you know Right, anybody can do that, by right. So, but yeah, fundamentally, I guess fundamental level, you still trust the Bitcoin, right? I guess, and the trust in the Bitcoin is in the, it's not in the exchange. And the reason exchange got set up in the first place because a lot of people believe in Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. In the name Bitcoin. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, the... if, if, I mean, fundamentally, if enough trust people, like for example, if enough people trust that Trump is the president, he is the president, right? If enough people trust it, right? If enough people believe in it, if 51% of the country that people believe in Trump is the president, he, he is the president, right? The right people well, believed. That, that's not what happened. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because, because not enough people believe it, right? It's, I mean, what is a. Actually, going back to the trust, the government, what is government? Government, just the U.S. Constitution is also a figment of our imagination. If enough people come together, made it up. Uh, I'm not sure I'd call any social construct a figment of our imagination. That doesn't seem entirely. It is. Social construct is imagination. It's human. That's what humans do. Humans made up on its social contract, the government. A corporation is always it's all belief, right? It's always trust. It's a belief. It's imagination. We we made it up basically. Mm-hmm. It's a concept. It's idea, and that is what is money is. And money is the money is the only thing that actually everybody in the world believes in, no matter your religion, your sexual orientation, or you know your, your terrorists. Terrorists believe in money too, right? It's only in a in money is the only almost an implicit coordination that, co- that make people cooperate in a way, the mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because no matter which country you come from, you actually everybody busy money. So, yeah, <laughs> right? Now I'm thinking about the people who dig holes in their backyard to fill it with gold because they don't trust, you know, paper money from banks. But I guess you could say they're treating gold like money, so. Yeah, gold is money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> where we go back it's, to the beginning. It's, it's, it's store value, right? It's store value again. So right. the Bitcoin trust, I feel like there's two elements to trusting Bitcoin. And I think, so there's the trust that the 
technology works well in a way that it can't be like cheated. And I think Bitcoin has that. But like fundamentally, Bitcoin, like like you said, it can't be exchanged for things directly. It's not like a stock that potentially has like dividends or something. Like the other part of the trust equation is a trust that you can eventually sell Bitcoin for, you know, more or at least as much as you bought it for, right? And I would argue that that's almost more important than the trust behind the technology because no one's really that concerned when they, you know, buy a stock on Robinhood that, you know, someone's going to somehow cheat and sell two stocks that didn't exist, right? Like, I feel like people mm-hmm. just assume the systems work well enough, the average person that is driving a lot of these prices. But the real trust is that it will re- retain its value, right? And that comes from something different. Would you agree with that? Retain its value. Can you repeat yeah, that, that again? Bitcoin will retain its value, that you'll be able to sell it to someone else for at least as much as you bought it for, preferably for more. Yeah, yeah. That's what so in, in that sense, that's no different than any other stock. Well... Yeah. That's not entirely true because a lot of a lot of stocks, well, a decent chunk of stocks have a dividend attached to it, right? Um, so that in some way grounds them heavily. But stocks that have no dividends and are focused on growth, it's it is pretty similar to that. But I, I feel like I feel like stocks have at least a few kind of more tenuous things grounding them in a sense to real value. Maybe while Bitcoin it seems to be more up in the air, I guess. More just based on what people feel, you know? Yeah. It's it's hard to judge. So Bitcoin, I think there's a limited supply, right? So you can almost equate it to how much money are in the world, right? Well, so I mean, I think the cap- every stock, there's a limited quantity as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it cannot go on forever, right? If it, it, it's, at some point, you're gonna, it has to stop, right? So, but... I mean, a lot of times, like, stock is like psychology again, right? Like, a lot of people believe in GameStop, you know, it's just going to dry up. So what happens when GameStop is, like, people lose trust, right? If, if, mm-hmm. if those people, like, like, Wall Street bets, if they believe in that stock, it's going comp- to keep, keep going, right? It's gonna, just going to maintain it there, right? But what happens is that, I mean, last week, is that everybody lose trust, right? So... They just crumble, right? Well, trust here is is different than like what you were using it before, right? Like trust in that um, like Bitcoin is not, it can't be gamed in a fraudulent manner. Um, In this case, trust in GameStop is more like trust that other people will buy GameStop for more money in the future. Mm. Well, yeah, which, which is the same thing with most, uh, like, you know, Tesla or like Amazon, those kind of stocks or mm. Bitcoin. It's, it's the exact same thing. It's that you're betting that other people will want to buy it for a higher price in the future. Mm. Mm. I see, I see, I see. I think I, I, I was coming coming from the, maybe it could be the wrong point, but I was thinking of, oh, if enough people trust it, they just, Keep the money in there. They don't need to sell it, right? It's, they, everybody's hope, then they should be fine, right? Well, I think everyone is buying stock or Bitcoin in the hopes that eventually they will cash out with more money. It's basically a Ponzi scheme that everyone's in on. It is, right? Yeah, it is a it is a 
Ponzi scheme. We don't know. Someone talked about night. Uh, one one person I follow is Naval Ravikant. He talked about night. He, he basically they start with smart people, right? Smart people know about the technology, everything behind it, and they just sell it to uh, other people, and then other people sell it to other people, basically, right? So, but right. I mean, he also made a point. Like, it's a bubble, right? It's a bubble, but money. There's a quote he's saying that like, money is almost like a bubble and it never pops, right? So, so in your in your sense, like Bitcoin oh, until it does as well, right? What, I'm sorry. Money is a bubble that doesn't pop until it does. Yeah. Well, it never pops. Well, sometimes it pops, or it can come back. That's that's a uh, you know when a nation fails, basically. Yeah, because everybody loses trust on the government. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, I think you you brought me in because I was telling you about uh, this book, Debt: uh, The First Five Thousand Years. Yeah. And how um, basically, um, you know, money is it's not just trust; it's also um, violence. And the、mm -hmm. way they connect it is that um, basically whoever has You know the physical、um, or military force to compel someone, right? They can say, "This money is worth this much," and if you don't like it, we're gonna like destroy your country or whatever, right?、Um, and so one of the arguments in the book is that you know U.S. dollars is so strong because we are like the world peacekeeper, right? We have military bases everywhere. We are. Like our military is so much stronger than like most other countries,、uh, and you know what we say kind of goes, and we are a strong force of like producing goods, and other company, other nations buy our goods, and they use our and they sell us goods, right? And so what、mm. happens when they sell us goods is that we buy them in U.S. dollars, which means. Their profit is in terms of U.S. dollars, so it makes sense for their country to prop the value of U.S. dollars up. Because if U.S. dollar devalues and everyone is holding a lot of U.S. dollars, then everyone loses.、Um, yeah. With international trade, this is happening with basically every country. Right? We、yeah. sell something to China, we get profit in terms of Chinese yuan. And so it benefits everyone that all the values of you know all of the world's currency、uh, maintains at a certain level or goes up, and so all the countries are buying each other's debt essentially. We're all propping up、um, the values of everyone's countries because we want, like you know, if one value if one currency falls, it's like every everything else falls depending on. Um, how reliant you are on that particular nation's currency, so there is like there is an implicit bias that every other country wants to keep U.S. currency afloat,、um, as long as we don't do something really reckless with it.、Um, and the other point that I want to make before、uh, this is over is that、um, there is you know the the idea that、uh, U.S. dollars was backed by gold, and so. There is like a one-to-one -one mapping. Like gold has implicit value that everyone agrees on,、um, and so you want.、Uh, there was the idea that you know, U.S. dollars is backed by something that's implicitly valued. But then when we severed the you know, the backing of the gold,、uh, 
Um, so now U.S. currency is has value by fiat. The government says there is value in this or there is value. Um, it kind of makes money inherently valueless, right? It's kind of like it's cut its tire from gold, so now it's kind of floating about, and it's whatever people collectively believe on uh, the value of the U.S. dollars is the value. And in that sense, you can say, oh, U.S. dollars is really uh, valueless. It's just a medium of exchange, right? And so if you think of it in that sense, um, there is a certain value in the world. And with as time progresses, as technology develops, we are producing more valuable things. Computers are getting faster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're getting bigger flat screen TVs and hopefully like housing will get cheaper and like uh, farming and food and all these different products. We have more products and they're easier to produce with less resources. And so the value of the world collectively is growing, right? And mm-hmm. if you think of money as a mapping of like say dollars to certain arbitrary unit of value. Um, if the dollar, the number of dollars stays the same, then you're gonna basically like one dollar will be worth more and more and more and more, right? Mm. If you want like one dollar to some arbitrary unit of value to stay the same, well, as time goes on, we're producing more value. And so there needs to be more dollars as well, right? And so if you think of it that way, it actually makes sense that we just keep producing, keep printing U.S. dollars, right? Because we're generating more value. So the mapping of dollars to value is constant. Um, But people frown on that. So we just kind of borrow from each other. And so in that sense, it's, it's still okay that we're kind of like collectively just generating money out of thin air because the value underneath all of that is also uh, increasing with more people and, and more productivity. What do you mean by people frown on that? Like, you know, they, they always say like, oh, um, was it like Zambia? Like they they had this hyperinflation where they, they had debt and in order to pay that debt, they would print more money. And because they're printing money, their value, their money becomes less valuable. And so they have to print even more money to pay off their debt, mm. right? And so they're, they're worried that if U.S. starts printing money to pay off its debt, then, uh, then we're going to hit this hyperinflation cycle. There's definitely, I mean, a point, yeah, where you can print too much money. But I mean, it seems pretty well established that you want to print enough to devalue the currency just a little bit. So you just have a little bit of inflation because that kind of incentivizes the right things, right? Like if you have currency that's deflating, it incentivizes everyone to just hold on to the money because it's going to be more valuable into the future. Well, if it's just, there's a little bit of inflation, then people are incentivized to invest in things like the stock market to hopefully earn more money rather than have it lose value sitting in a bank account. And then when you invest in the stock market, that goes to companies who use it to, you know, build stuff and try to create more stuff and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. I think like getting that just a little bit of inflation seems to help keep the economy running ideally, I guess. Yeah. But it's a good point. I've never really heard someone put it as like printing money in terms of the, I like, like we all know that like the wealth in the world is 
most people seem to agree the wealth in the world is going up over time quite a lot. But yeah, so if you don't, so if you don't print more money, like you'll actually have like really fast deflation where the value of a dollar gets to be crazy, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess another point that is the violence part of the, like, so money is not just trust, it's also violence. Yeah, because, you know, how do you keep, uh, or at least as a, as a nation, right? Like, how do you say that this money has value because you can enforce it, right? And if mm, someone yeah. doesn't, doesn't take it or whatever, doesn't accept it, well, you could enforce that through the police, through the military, you can throw them in jail. Um, yeah, and- but it's not yet fundamentally because people trust in the government. Right, but imagine if people are counterfeiting U.S. dollars, right? Mm-hmm. What does the U.S. government do? They stick the FBI on them to put them in jail. Yeah. Right, so oh, yeah, that, that is they, that is violence. Yeah, but they fundamentally trust the government to solve that problem for us, right? Yeah, it, it is trust, but you <laughs> built that on violence. I got you. I got you. I, I just, I guess, I guess, to me, I feel like, it's almost like violence is part of the government, right? And then the people trust in money, not because they trust in money, they trust in the government. And then trusting the government to use the violence to do whatever they want, right? Now, the king, back in the day, they punish, you know, if you counterfeit, they're going to kill you. And right? that's why it's a, it's a, you know, almost like death sentence, right? So if you counterfeit coins, right, back in the day, like Roman uh, Caesars, I guess, right? So, right, anyway, so you... I, if you look at back in the day, like how did how did coins start? Right? It's usually because uh, the king wants to raise an army, and mm. the way that they can, you know, house and clothe and, and feed an army is uh, through the issue of coins to the soldiers, and then use demand taxes in the in the form of those coins, and so your population then has to provide services to the soldiers. Um, to, to the point where they could collect enough coins to pay back in taxes. Mm. And if they don't pay taxes, then of course you put them in jail. Mm. Mm. So I, I guess the violence point is the strength, the strength of the currency is kind of correlated to the strength of your military in a way. Yeah. So, so you're saying the first, like some of the earliest currencies were only basically only for the economy of providing for the military, like, what people exchange with each other was irrelevant. It's just about you need to do X number of like provide X number of goods or services to soldiers. And then you get the coins and you can pay your tax, which is just a record of saying, yeah, you did this much. Right. It's like, what's the alternative, right? It's it's like, you would have to be like uh, this, you know, you have to say every family, you know, if you're making, if you're growing wheat, if you're producing uh, uh, like clothing or like armor, like you have to say, you have to provide, it's like an incredible amount of micromanaging you would have to do otherwise mm-hmm. um, versus just say, oh, you have to provide you know, so much taxes in the form of coins. Hmm. All right. That's good. All right. Anything else on the Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, money thing? Hmm. I don't well, know. We good? Uh, you're going to buy more Bitcoin shoe? That's good. Probably if it falls again. I don't. Yeah, I need to. 
I guess uh, I'm starting to try to learn a little bit more of it. Now, if I try to learn more, and then I guess based on how, how much I learn, how much I understand, right? And then I will see what I can do, right? I, I mean, as Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger says, you know, don't invest in anything that you don't understand, right? So that's why that's what I'm trying to do right now, try to understand the basics and then to get more understanding. And then if I still don't get it, I probably just not gonna invest. I mean, I can still put by a little bit, right? As a like almost like demoing, but I mean, investing a little bit is also to learn about it, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, like put a dollar, two dollar in Robinhood, that's fine, right? <laughs> You're not putting all your your one hundred percent of your asset into Bitcoin, and you should be good, yeah. Yeah, every time, basically every time it drops, I just buy three dollars. That's all I have because that's all I have. <laughs> Wait, three dollars of Bitcoin? Yeah, three dollars. I guess that's only only money I have. I don't have like ten thousand dollars like you guys. So can't buy a whole Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, that's too much. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, just I think as I said previously, my mistake of not let me say not not investing in Bitcoin early, let me say is not to not to learn about it, right? To study it, to understand that a little bit more. And yeah, and that's basically what yeah, that's yeah, and that's what I'm trying to do right now. Yeah. So I want to summarize the conversation we had. So if <laughs> if Bitcoin has no threat of military violence behind it, does that make it more of a Ponzi scheme than money? I mean, no, if money yeah. is back, if money is largely secured by like a military force or government power that provides some sort of consistency to its value, you know, Bitcoin doesn't have that. Does that mean it's more like a Ponzi scheme than money? But I mean, think about how we value Bitcoin. It's in terms of U.S. dollars. I mean, but everything, I mean, you can attach anything's value to U.S. dollars, right? That doesn't, does that make a difference? So you're saying that well, if there's no violence, no anything, no violence behind it, is are you saying it's a Ponzi scheme? Is that your, that's what you're saying? Yeah, I'm basically just wanting us to summarize. Do we think Bitcoin's a Ponzi scheme that will eventually blow up and be worthless, or do you think, I think it will? I think that's independent of the the violence, right? Because Bitcoin is built on top of the existing civilization. Mm. So well, Bitcoin is basically like any other Ponzi scheme. Well, going back a little bit, I mean, like, money fundamentally is still just trust, right? Even even if it's violence involved, but it's still trust, or just trust in the government, right? Even the, even the government use uh, violence or not, right? So fundamentally, and and is I and is I I guess it, it, it helped me understanding what money is is just trust, basically, right? I mean, I guess you could add a little bit of violence into it, but fundamentally, I think the majority of it is still trust. So yeah. And it's, and it's I, I guess not how I would summarize. I mean, there's anything that you take away, that is the, the, the main takeaway. Yeah, I think the I, question of like, will uh, Bitcoin blow up? Um, like you said, Shu, it's, it's a matter of trust. Like, do people, will people continue to believe in Bitcoin? 
um, that, yeah. or rather, will people continue to believe that other people will believe in Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. Um, which is yeah. just the, the same same thing as uh, GameStop and, and Tesla and any other of these um, like super accelerating stocks. It's just uh, it's a mind game, right? Like, do you think that um, other people will keep buying this for stuff like Amazon or Tesla? It's the promise of growth, right? That they're gonna they're gonna keep expanding that. They're only at 1% uh, of the, the market right now. They can keep expanding to encompass more and more. And so all the people believe that, hey, you know, like there is um, strong future growth and security to this company. I will keep buying it. Hmm. Yeah. I if, mean, yeah. yeah no, that's, why, that's why when Tesla bought one point something billion dollar of Bitcoin, the value just shoot up, right? So. I think I think as we probably as time goes on, I think a lot of people, a lot more institutionals like banks and stuff, they probably gonna get into the game as well. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean it's a, it's a bubble. It might it might pop right, but it might come down to more reasonable. It's gonna probably it might stable into a reasonable value, like gold, right? So it's a basically store of value, right? It could go down, but it's probably not gonna go to zero, right? It's not it's not gonna be value, right? So yeah. I mean, I've been pretty critical of it, but I do think Bitcoin will hold its value for a really long time because there is a finite amount of it and the population is still growing for right now. And uh, the number of people who have access to do something like buy Bitcoin is continuing to increase. So arguably you have a finite thing. And the number of potential buyers is going to be going up for decades at least, right? So I think mm-hmm. based on that, you can probably say this is going to hold value for several decades more. Yeah, that's why that's why I like getting buying Coca Cola and Disney, right? Because Coca Cola, you know, even though right now it doesn't grow as much, you know, everybody every day has new babies being born, right? And then when they grow up, what are they gonna drink? It's not Coca Cola or going to Disney World, right? So that's one way. <laughs> Shouldn't give. I just want to tell our listeners, you should not give your babies Coca-Cola. It's not advice. I'm not a doctor, but I am comfortable saying that. Yeah, we are not doctors and we don't play one on TV. No, we're financial advisors. All right. Well, see, since you were the guest, was there anything else you wanted to say about your book or any other exciting topics or opinions you wanted to share? Uh, I think I said my piece. Yeah. Would you recommend yeah. other people read what? What was the book's name? Debt. Uh, Debt: The First Five Thousand Years. Um, I think it's by David Gruber, something like that. He just passed away recently, but um, that book really opened my eyes into like what money is um, versus just like the the common sense idea of what money is it's i think there's a, a big discrepancy that people don't realize is it long it's not too long um and it is like from an anthropolog uh perspective so he digs into the history and uh, documentations from different nations across time and, and how their accounts of uh, credit and money and it's uh, it's very counterintuitive what you find. 
So, what was you from after reading the book? How did you change your opinion on capitalism? Um, capitalism, not so much. Uh, more so, just the the value of money, right? Like, there's there's a, a common idea that oh no, U.S. is in debt, and um, we we need to pay off our debt, right? But really, debt at the nation level is very different from debt at the personal level, because um, debt is, you know, the there's there's two halves to the accounting book, right? There's the debt and there's there's the assets. If you uh, want more money to exist, then you have to create more debt. Yeah. Um, and like I said before, the value of the world is increasing, so you want more value, more more money out there. Um, you know, going through the uh, circling through the economy, and the only way to do that is to create more debt. Mm. And so, it's actually beneficial, I think. Uh, as I mean, we're reading the book, I've been convinced that is, that, that is a good. But thing. Another, another way looking at debt is basically to credit, right? Right. It's it's the other side of credit. And credit is what runs the you know basically the economy, right? Because there's a limited money you can. Print limited amount of money in the supply, right? But you can right. almost do infinite amount of credit, right?、I、right. So, so the flip side、of. you can think of it is that the more we pay off our debt, the less money there is to exist circulating in the economy, which hurts the economy. So debt is good for the government to have, but it's bad for a person to have, basically. Yeah, like like there's a there's a saying like if you owe someone a hundred dollars, they own you. But if you owe someone a billion dollars, you own them. <laughs> oh really? Wow.、Nice. All right, we, hold on. We got to go back one thing. Shoot, you didn't share the most exciting part. Are you so you're skeptical about capitalism? See, not yet. Not really. No. Not shoe. Sorry, the question、oh. was to see. Um, capitalism in terms of like. What do you mean? I guess I was I was gonna say like, are you like, I mean, a socialist, or do you like agree with like, you know, there are some people who like go along with Karl Marx's teachings or things like that, or like, you know, we should try to reform the economic system away from capitalism to something else. I didn't know how far you took it. I guess like if you if you're talking about capitalism as a system of distributing or allocating resources.、Um, I'm not a fan of it, but I don't know of a better system.、Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. That's a pretty、the、fair better, opinion. The better system is socialism, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah,、mm-hmm. hasn't worked out so well, but no, that's okay. I always get. I I want to. I was. I'm hoping that one day Mike brings. Mike says he has a lot of socialist friends on Facebook, so I want to bring him on so he can have you know that sort of opposite opinion because I'm fairly pro capitalist, but. Mike and Shu agree at least enough that you know we often agree on similar things. You know we we're educated in a similar way, so we kind of have you know similar thought patterns. But I always hope to meet like a real life socialist and be like, I want to chat with you because on on the you can find them online, right? But internet discussions are always terrible, so it's like、yeah. I want to have like a one on one with one one day. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a What I believe in is that like the market drives、uh, for short-term benefits, and you do need government to play a role of like seeing longer into the future and、um, you know biasing the economy towards that.
Yeah. Oh, no, I'm definitely what? agree. Like the whole like laissez-faire, like let the market do whatever it wants is not smart. But the like capitalism, the market's a really great tool for a lot of things and you should use it as much as you can. But obviously there's some things it's like it's not appropriate for. I wouldn't I wouldn't consider myself extremist, but yeah. What are you yeah, gonna say, Shu? And that's not I was saying that's not a problem of capitalism. Like the market is focused on short term. That's how to design a market, right? Now the stock market, right? It's focused on short term because the shareholders want to drive up the stock price, right? So that's what happened to actually an economic called I think Milton Freeman, he actually got Nobel Prize for it. He said, the company, the business whole responsibility is to their shareholders. And then for the past 10 years, 20 years, then the company is actually on a business, just took it and ran with it. So that's why you tie the CEO's pay to on the share stock price. So, so what they do, so what happens when you tie the CEO's pay to stock price, right? He's going to try to dry out the stock price, ignoring the long-term benefit. So it's not the capitalism that is doing that. It's how we design the how we design the market on a system to how we implement it basically, right? So mm-hmm. so right now, like recently, like 10 in the last few years, actually a lot of companies like Amazon on its big company actually try to come up with a different framework. So instead of only companies should uh, focus on shareholder values, they actually going to focus on, they sign a, some kind of like a letter or something to say, oh, we're going to start focusing on stakeholder uh, stakeholders value not just shareholders so stakeholder include customers so that and everything else and that kind of try to force them to focus on the long term right so anyway mm-hmm. that just my something that i learned about recently that about what why people are doing short-term stuff right yeah mm-hmm. yeah well anyway so and then that's i guess I just, just find out and that's yeah anyway, go ahead. i mean that's kind of a general theme you can think of it like an investor's sort of like, you know, they want their stock prices, but in more general, sometimes you'll hear people be like critical of things like businesses are only seeking profit, you know, and not what's say good for society overall. And that's, that's really when, you know, the government can step in to, you know, set the incentives to be the right incentives. I'm a huge fan of a carbon tax and it's a pretty simple idea. You know, you make people pay for the amount of carbon they, you know, uh, release into the atmosphere. Uh, and that basically puts a price on this action that creates some environmental damage. And if you price it appropriately, you know, what you can do stuff with the tax money later, like try to sequester carbon back out of the atmosphere. But if you price it appropriately, you know, you're making people pay for what they're doing in the same way that you make people pay, you know, for a trash service to pick up their trash and not just let them throw it out on the road. Right. Anyway, long, Hmm. The point I was kind of, it kind of wove off, but I was, I was just going to say, you can, that's kind of the government's role can step in and create the right incentives when, you know, businesses go awry a little bit. Yeah. Agreed. All right. All right. Mike, so we talk about what happened last Sunday on Monday. Was that what happened on Sunday? What was that show? Well, your, your best friend, Tom Brady. What? Yeah, he won the Super Bowl. Yeah, he doesn't. He don't sound very excited. Well, he's not on the Patriots anymore. Yeah, that's no. I mean, it was it was good for him. It was unsurprising. 
Oh, really? I thought you were still following him. It doesn't matter where he goes. No, no, no. I mean, I was rooting for the Buccaneers purely because Brady was on them. But yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I don't know. It wasn't like it's sort of, it's sort of just what you expect at this point. Do do Patriots fans feel betrayed by Tom Brady that he left? Or I don't think so because I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's come out that basically the team was like, "Yeah, we can't give you like a multi year contract here. Like you're just too old. We need to like think about the future, and it's time <laughs> for a rebuild." So, mm. so yeah, probably. Anyway. Now they're feeling dumb, aren't they? Well, I guess. I mean, I don't know that he would have had the pieces he needed here to win another one, but I, I say here being in Atlanta, but I uh, he I don't know that he had the pieces in New England to win another one right away. So mm. he was able to get that in Tampa. So good for him. He's the goat. Goat. <laughs> the display goat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right all right sounds good i think that's pretty good for today this week yeah no no that's sounds good to me so i i felt like just I remember it just remember if you don't remember anything everything is your figment of imagination Shinto flop <laughs>